Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Todd Wood, W-O-O-D. And I was on a show with him and Walter Bosley last week called California. And they talked to me about my 9-11 book for 90 minutes. And you can listen to that on William Ramsey Investigates or on California, whatever you... Uh, I'll put a link to the California podcast in the show notes. You could check it out. But I was talking to him, and I know Bosley was talking about somebody I'm very interested in. Um, and so I was just reaching out to Todd about uh, having him on. And uh, he's had an interest. He, he They've done books together and, and interviews. But somebody who I've been researching kind of recently and came across, and his full name is William Joseph Bryan. And he has popped up in very strange cases. And I've been reading the Sirhan Sirhan timeline. So Brian is uh, suspected to being associated with Surround. Maybe Todd knows more. But Todd said he's that's his expertise, is this kind of strange character, William Joseph Brian, who died kind of young. And uh, I'm going to play some audio of him. This is supposedly from 1974. And it's William, Dr. William Joseph Brian Jr. So he claims to be a uh, descendant of William Jennings Brian, right? Person of... American history, but uh, I'm going to play the audio right now. So here we go. It kind of explains how they they create a hypno program subject. Brian Jr. was for almost a decade retained by the U.S. government as its leading hypno programmer. In criminal law, yes, I am. I sure as hell am. You have to have the person locked up physically. You have control of them. You have to use a certain amount of physical torture involved, and there is also the use of um, uh, long-term uh, hypnotic suggestion, probably drugs, whatever, and so on. Under these situations where you have all this going for you, like the prison camp and so on, yes, you can brainwash a person to do just about anything. What I'm speaking about are the innumerable instances that we ran into when I was running the country's brainwashing and anti-brainwashing programs. Less than a year before his death in 1976, William Bryan Jr. allegedly confessed to two prostitutes that he was the man who hypno-programmed Siran Bishara Siran. So that was the uh, story of that. I have some some um, slides that we're going to go through in time, but Todd Wood, welcome to the show. I'm so honored to be here with you. Thank you so much for your invitation. Okay. Cool. Awesome. I'm glad to have you. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your background, your interest, how your interest in William Bryan got started and all his strange connections. He's kind of not very well known, but he should be, in my opinion. Right. Well, first thing I should tell you about my background is I am not a scholar. I am a, just a blue collar, regular person. I suffer from a condition known as macular degeneration or Stargardt's disease. And I love doing this research because uh, I, I love finding things and I love proving people wrong who say I can't do stuff. So um, I got into looking into William Joseph Bryant when I was researching Ingersoll Lockwood. Inger, and if you don't know who Ingersoll Lockwood is, um, he was a one of the youngest diplomats appointed by Abraham Lincoln in 1862 to be consul to the Kingdom of Hanover. After his diplomatic work, uh, he came back and joined a he was a lawyer. He joined a law firm with his brother. And uh, he's most famous for writing a, the children's book, Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Adventure, and a novella called 1900, The Last President, in which it, it is basically a propaganda piece against populism. Because the, 
at the time when he wrote this book, it was William Jennings Bryan, who is um, the grandfather of William Joseph Bryan, um, who was running against McKinley. McKinley was for big business and corporatism to an extent. He did have some populist, populistic uh, tendencies, though. Um, and later on, William Jennings Bryan became a uh, Secretary of State under Woodrow Wilson, and he's sort of the first uh, evangelical, religious, super religious, super Catholic um, politician, right? His whole the whole thing about saving the soul of the country it kind of started with him. Um, then, uh, you know, William uh, William Jennings Bryan's son was William Jennings Bryan Jr., who was appointed to be. Uh, collector of customs for the port of Los Angeles. And eventually in 1926, William Joseph Bryan was born. Um, do you think that's a, a good enough sort of introduction? Absolutely. Yeah. So who is this character, William Joseph Bryan? He's a polymath, right? Like he's one of those mm -hmm. guys who got through both law school and medical school. So he had a law and medical degree, right? Yeah. He had PhD and MD and a JD. Wow. So and he was a electrical engineer for the Navy and then later became director of medical um, medical survival for the Air Force, which his predecessor in that position was actually a paperclip Nazi. But sadly, I cannot remember his name at the moment. That's a Walter question or a Joseph question. Um, but yeah. Uh, he was very smart. He he joined on uh, with the, the whole psychological warfare department um, during uh, before World War II or maybe a little after. Uh, he was a big part of Project Artichoke. He uh, specialized in something called hypno-conditioning, which is also, I guess, what you would call hypno – what I would call hypno-grooming. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and some of his um, books are around. Like you can see, uh, some of his books are on Amazon or archives. Yes, uh, legal aspects of hypnosis is very interesting. Very, very interesting. There's a quote from that book, and I'll just paraphrase it, where it's basically saying you can make somebody, like you can take someone who won't hurt a fly, and you can hypnotize them, and they will always fight the enemy. If someone's trying to destroy your country, they will always fight their fight the enemy to, to like protect their country you can hypnotize somebody to do that right right and then um of course religious aspects of hypnosis which is like sort of diving into the occult a little bit you know hmm. uh there's also uh, the 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 chosen ones about jury selection and uh using hypnosis to um choose a jury during a trial of course, William Joseph Bryan, like during the research of that book, interestingly enough, he would go to he'd go back and forth between Los Angeles and the Sirhan Sirhan trial and back to like New Orleans, and he'd be sitting behind the um the defense. He'd be sitting behind uh Clay Shaw during um Jim Garrison's, you know, trying to prosecute wow. Clay Shaw for the assassination of JFK. Wow. And then so he was, he was so he's around the Garrison investigation mm -hmm. of Shaw and also around Melvin Belli, who represented yes. Jack Ruby too, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, he was close with Melvin Belli. Mel Melvin Belli was at, uh, went to uh, William Joseph Bryan's funeral. 
Um, so I imagine they were quite close. No doubt um, they shared. A, they wrote that book together. I think that one of the books they wrote together. Maybe yeah. he's a forward. I think it's on my slide somewhere. So Belli yeah. and him and I did a show on Belli with Mark Shaw, so people can listen to that. But mm -hmm. Belli was way out of his debt. I mean, he was a civil lawyer. He's a torts lawyer and a right. criminal defense lawyer for Jack Ruby. Which is really I, wasn't he? A, wasn't he a mob lawyer too? Like he was he like was friends. Yes, he had, yeah. he had mob associates. He was very comfortable. He liked to style himself around mobsters. I think right. he Mickey Cohen, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. I, I think that's the sort of the same thing with William Joseph Bryan. When we get into the sort of the Boston Strangler stuff, I think that he had like maybe sort of um, acquaintanceship with um, George Nasser. Wow. So George Nasser, that's the guy for Wonderland, right? Is that right? No, George, George Nasser was a hitman for like the Boston oh. Mafia. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. George and uh, he was actually, George Nasser was actually present when. Um, William Joseph Bryan hypnotized the confession out of um, the Boston Strangler, or who we suspect is the Boston Strangler, uh, Albert DeSalvo. Right. Wow. Okay. So he was, Albert allegedly confessed. And there's weird stories about that whole DeSalvo thing, whether he actually did it or not. Is that right? Oh, I, I think there were multiple Boston Stranglers. I think DeSalvo was a patsy. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, and it's just weird too that Bryan, so that associates Bryan with very big legal bigwigs at the time, Melvin Belli and F. Lee Bailey, right? Right, right. right. So that goes way back. So that's what, 65? Yes. Those are the, the you know, and Bailey passed away in 2021. Yeah, so. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, so he's involved. Do you think that William Joseph Bryan's involvement in the DeSalvo Boston Strangler case was there for nefarious purposes that he was trying to manipulate something? I think so. I think it was. Uh, I, you know, he just hit private practice, but I think he was. Uh, some of those stranglings were probably mob related, and I think he was sort of working. You know, at that time, the government and the the ma mafia were kind of going hand in hand for a large, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, I would say, with like Operation Underground, like post underground stuff. Um, yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me one bit if William Joseph Bryan's was just there on like helping the mob out. Wow. That is really incredible. And it is strange too. Did you ever come across his connection to a young Lee Harvey Oswald? Um, I, I haven't actually. Have you? Cause that, that I would think be it's in my thing. show notes. I think that he was somewhere around new Orleans too. So, Right, I think it might well, be in the Alberelli book, like Alberelli, like yeah. This oh, is guy. that the Secret Order? Well, either that or the one like the strange dealings around the Kennedy assassination. I well, think I, I know Ferry. that uh, the the claim is that he taught David Ferry hypnosis. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah, I think that. Okay, so uh, I think it's important that I explain something because that has been going around for a really long time, and I just want to explain that it most likely. William Joseph Bryan was not buddy-buddy with David Ferry. He wasn't going over to spend nights at his house. He wasn't going to parties and stuff. What it was is because William Joseph Bryan in 1955 or 56 started the American Institute of Hypnosis, there were chapters all over the country. And William Joseph Bryan, being sort of the president and director of that, would fly to these chapters and give um, lectures and teach people how to do hypnosis. And like he 
this, that, and the other. It's more likely than not that David Ferry probably attended one of these workshops, which were was most likely free. Yeah, and, so that um, has to be that taught him hypnosis. Right. So those old newspaper clippings have to be uh, analyzed now under newspapers.com. So most if anybody, definitely. Yeah, because he's in the newspaper all the time, William J. Brown. I, I had yeah, quarter, I, to... cor I had correspondence with Tom O'Neill on uh, via email. And I told him like, uh, if you're looking for a direct connection between William Joseph Bryan and the Process Church, it's it, there's a good chance it's in New Orleans because you got to know where that chapter was in New Orleans. You got to know where the chapter of the Process Church was in New Orleans. How close were they to to each other? The, they were obviously into the occult and hypnosis. And uh, would some of those members of the process church be interested in going to a free workshop where they learned of how course. to hypnotize people? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Guys, yeah. Can you imagine if history uncovers that William Joseph Bryan is in New Orleans in the 50s at a meeting attended by, it can't be the process uh, was more 60s, but yeah. Um, but like it would just be incredible that the pro I mean, you've already he had an interest in the occult, William Joseph. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And it he 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 was a control freak. And he is very self-conscious. He in fact in a newspaper article, I think it was LA Times, he said uh he got into hypnosis because he wanted to meet girls, right? Now you take that plus his size. Right, he he had some self esteem issues, and I sadly to say he was basically a sex addict. Um, yeah, most definitely. When you say his size, was he a big guy or something? Yeah, he was like three hundred and fifty pounds oh, when he died. Yeah, he's almost four hundred, I think, actually. Right, so he's a big boy. Yes, but a yes. Pro pro prodigious like output and talented at a very young age. I mean, these are all things happening to him in his late 20s or early 30s right this right now the speculation is he belonged to the old catholic church which peter lavenda wrote about i think uh this sort of wandering bishop type of stuff right uh is that a rumor or could you prove it that, that i can't prove it uh because i don't have a time machine but that's sort of the uh the scuttlebutt that was in the winter watch article okay so that was it we mentioned that in the pre-show right yeah, I think that's in that secret order book. Gotcha. Yeah. But right, I've had Winter on my show too. So I've had him. I should probably have him on for that. But yeah. 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 Crazy. So he is associated with these kind of darker things. He dies in 77. Is that right? Yes. And the interesting thing, or the mysterious thing about his death, is there was no official autopsy. It's more of a situation where the, um, uh, the doctor goes into the hotel room, takes one look at the dude, his size, and says heart attack and leaves. <laughs> Basically, well, those things happen. Like people think that they're super professional at these like medical examinations. Sometimes they're not. And yeah, I've seen a lot of very unprofessional, obvious things overlooked. Like I'm not yeah. a medical doctor, but it's well, the, the thing that would have been overlooked would have been the needle marks in his uh, thigh because he was he was on drugs. He's pretty depressed. Uh, by 77 and the, the rumor is or i should say the speculation is that he was going to be subpoenaed for the um, select committee on assassinations and because william joseph bryan was such a loud, boastful loudmouth, um uh they had to shut him up 
No, it was he was it was time to go. Like his work was done. Right, right. So he was dead at forty-one. That's incredible. No, he's dead at fifty. Fifty. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Bad. Um. Uh. But yeah. So that's at forty, and then um. He he is in. He's traveling around. He's associated with artichoke. He's writing right. books on hypnosis. Right. Hypnosis. Um. And then, what happens next? Like he. He somehow well, Sirhan Sirhan was sixty eight, right? Right, so, right. But, but before then, we we should what we should mention is he was the technical advisor on the film, The Manchurian Candidate, okay, which so is a film guy. about mind control, creating mind controlled assassins. Right. So he's right? a technical advisor. Is he on IMDb for that? I believe he is. Okay. Uh, he has his own special page, I think, and um. So, and according to Peter Evans' book, Nemesis, he's actually fired by Sidney Gottlieb. Uh, so he's fired from the movie or just fired from the CIA? Fired from the CIA. Uh, I think it was his mistress. His mistress told Peter Evans that he was fired because he wasn't supposed to give away the family secrets. And he, he gave away some family secrets in that movie. Wow, wild. I mean, it, that movie's incredibly pr prescient to... Yeah, those the the you know the murders of of uh, RFK. It's off the charts. Oh yeah, most definitely. It's mm -hmm. uh, just a lot of other stuff. And then he goes on, and he's a technical advisor for Francis Ford Coppola's first film, Dementia Thirteen, which is a fantastic film. Interesting. Can you can you give us a brief synopsis about that movie? Well, it's about uh, it's a, I guess you could call him a serial killer. It's about uh, this family. And uh, they're all at this estate. And this woman who actually kind of kills her husband, and she's sort of the wife, she goes to this estate. And uh, she keeps lying about the arrival of her husband. And all the while, people are getting killed via axe, like axe murder. Uh, William Joseph Bryan actually appears in the trailer. He actually talks about a homicide case he worked. Where's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And later on, the, the, the whole axe murder motif will come back when we start talking about the 4P. Wow. Also, he cool. was in Tales of Terror, which confuses the uh, HE double hockey sticks out of Walter and myself because we don't know what that has to do with hypnosis. That's Edgar Allan Poe stuff. No. Right. It's kind of darker stuff, right? So that's it. Yeah. Trying to find his like involvement on here on Manchurian Candidate, it doesn't seem to pop up. But uh, I guess that'll be more, more research for somebody or me myself. Yeah. So that's Manchurian Candidate, nineteen sixty-two. Literally happens. They delay the it coming out. I think because of the Kennedy assassination or something. Right now, the interesting thing by nineteen sixty-three, the American Medical Association deems hypnosis to be a. Uh, um, a uh, sort of legitimate practice. Interesting. That's that's very important. So, because before then, it was just kind of looked down upon, and and but by '63, think JFK becomes sort of like a legitimate practice. Right. No, a Manchurian Candidate came out in '62. I was wrong. Right, but Dementia Thirteen came out in '63. Interesting. Yeah. So, so '63. He's, I mean, what happens next in his life? Okay, well, he goes on and he does, um, 
He's just doing his practice. His office is on Sunset Strip. He's flying all over the country, giving lectures, doing workshops on hypnosis. That's like he claims to have hypnotized over 2,000 people, right? So it's easy to see, like we, we said before, you could have processed church members and David Ferry and whoever else in there uh, being hypnotized and learning how to hypnotize. Uh, I think the so next... He's around on Sunset around the time of the Manson murders and all that other stuff, right? Yes, exactly. And, and oh my gosh, his office are like little cubicles with loudspeakers, like the, for the patients, the people who are being hypnotized. It's very MK Ultra. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So, where do you talked about Tom O'Neill? Does Tom O'Neill mention Brian in Chaos? No, just Jolly and West. It is extremely hard to get information on Brian. Uh, even though he was a loudmouth, he is very good at compartmentalizing different things. Interesting. Does yeah, he have his papers anywhere? Do you know if he has like papers at UCLA or a pay? Uh, I, I have no idea. Well, because it wouldn't just be UCLA. He's he he worked at a college in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know that probably Salvia. His wife didn't have – oh, wait, I know where his papers are. John Minor, his lawyer, his probate lawyer, has his papers. So John Minor dies. Yeah, John Minor dies. I don't know where – You know, no one knows where those could be. Interesting. Yeah. Do you ever connect him to Jolly, Jolly West? Well, they were kind of on, like, parallel paths, um, and they were both big guys, which is very useful for later, too. Um Jolly they, West, they, you could take Jolly West and put him in plaid and stick yeah. him in northern Minnesota, and you yeah. wouldn't know the difference. He's big. Yeah, he's, he's a big, big dude. Big head. Yeah. They're both well, they had a lot to compartmentalize. And every time you compartment, you got to have your release. For William Joseph Bryan, it was food and sex. For for Jolly and West, it was probably food and some, some other stuff, you know. Interesting. Yeah. So there's no written evidence. They're on the same kind of path, though. Hypnosis and interest in the round and strange places. There's a definitely a connection between Brian, Bailey, and West. All right. Because Bailey represents, uh, what's her face in the uh, Hearst? Patty Hearst, right? Right. So does jo- Jolly and West as well. Right. He, right. he inserted himself into that case. He gets right. Free, he also free bit the hand that said he went against the government. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the whole goal of the defense was to show that she was coerced. So she wasn't acting on her full right. cognizance, right? So that was kind of right. like a Stockholm um, syndrome defense, right. Right? which worked. I mean, right. I think it, she she wasn't in jail for very long. And then I no. think she had her sentence commuted by Reagan, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, well, was, okay. So the, the next up, uh, we're going to have to get into Project Artichoke. He was okay. consulting. For um, certain MK Ultra operations, and uh, if you're familiar with Dave McGowan's work, um, "Program to Kill," oh, in the introduction, he he talks about how satanic cults are often a um, sort of cover for MK Ultra programs. Now, in the book um, "Project Artichoke," now anybody who th- who's thinking about going out and getting that book, uh, disclaimer: the author David M. Selby actually died in the process of editing the book editing the book so um half of it is edited the other half is messy the kids didn't bother trying to get it edited 
I, that's one reason why I don't think it's some deep state propaganda thing. I think it was just a guy trying to unburden himself by telling his story. Um, right. Sylvie, S-I-L-V-E-Y, right? Right, right. Now, according to that book, William Joseph Bryan was a Grand Chingon of the um, 4P cult. And David Sylvie, his involvement was he was one of the guards guarding the uh, the ritual sacrifices. Wow. So talk more about the 4P. Who are the 4P? Supposedly the 4P was a splinter group off the Process Church of the Final Judgment. But the, the kind of the interesting thing is, if it, if it was, the majority of the, the ex-process members were probably just initiates. I, I went through the, um, the trial transcript of uh, the Process Church v. Ed Sanders from the London trial transcript. And they were they had people out trying to convert people, right? And they were converting people, but then the the process left L.A. days after um, or weeks after the, uh, the the Kennedy assassination, the RFK assassination. The issue here is when they left, the process considered anyone who stayed behind no longer members of the process. Interesting. So, and they didn't bother telling them. So there are people who are initiates who are still thinking, oh, I'm a member of the process, probably. most More than likely. Right? So the process gets out of town. Things are too hard. <coughs> right. They, they go to Arizona, I believe, right after California, which so is more than it. And end up in South South Utah, right? Right. Eventually, South Utah. The, the, what's interesting about Arizona, if you read the FBI file about the process church of the final judgment, though, is um, – uh, the, there are informants that say that the process church was just muscle and enforces for the church of Scientology and that they, uh, they, they, that some of these people were founded in Arizona. Wow. That'd be in fact, I think it was the, the first, uh, official church of Scientology. Wasn't that in Arizona? Yeah. I don't know. I think it, was. it was very early. The first Dianetics was 48 and then Scientology was 1950. I'm pretty yeah, because sure I researched all that. So right, um, I I'm just going off what I remember from uh, Program to Kill. I think he's what McGallan said is it moved from New York to uh, Arizona. I have to double check that. I'm not familiar with that. I know yeah. who I can ask, but the uh, my understanding is that Hubbard really they were declared suppressive persons, which is inside of Scientology. That's a big like you're a big baddie. You're a apostate. Oh yeah. So maybe. So the connection may have still been there, even though publicly or whatever the Scientologists say. Right. Well, uh, do, you have the, do you have the expulsion letter? Like Robert de Grimston and Marianne de Grimston's expulsion letter from the Church yeah. of Scientology? I think I've seen it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so. Well, back to Brian. So that may imply that just because, you know, for one, San Francisco is only seven miles by seven miles. And there's a lot of intermingling between Process Church, Manson, and the, the Church of uh, Satan, right? And MK Ultra. Of course, their safe house was in Telegraph Hill. Um, right. That, so there's that all cross-fertilization. And Scientology had a huge center in San Francisco. I remember my grandma in San Francisco. So they oh, had okay. a big... They had a big, fat, like six or seven story building right off of uh, what's the market Market Street. So kind of like the main street of the whole city. So they had a they had a presence there, right? So yeah, I, according to um, Project Artichoke, they would bring uh, William Joseph Bryan in to consult 
on different cases and they uh they basically he one of um sylvie's friends whose name is just sort of like a um acronym in the book who's he claims to be a um navy or oni assassin claims that william joseph bryan was the grand chingon of the 4p cult now when we say, talk about 4p cult we're talking about a potentially a large intelligence drug network slash uh mind control operation wow and it comes up doesn't it come up in the manson files or or something yes. they're talking about the chingon right like the, okay it's like a mythical figure right so the word chingon, him, yeah. the word chingon itself is a spanish word it means awesome dude or in slang intimidating dude now, the thing with Manson is he would borrow different ideologies from different groups. For instance, the, hel the helter-skelter sort of civil war, civil race war type of stuff actually comes from the Fountains of the World cult. They sort of talk about it first. Manson picks it up, right? Obviously, considering that how close Man the Manson family lived to the Process Church, process there's no way that they their paths didn't cross right yeah, he said me and robert de grimston are one like that's the specific right phase. yeah and so according Manson's to mixing in all the occult uh process right. things all around and i think the foundation's cult you're talking about was in the valley right so right they the were valley. really close to spawn ranch they, they were right. kind of doing their things yeah, in so the caves yeah manson's in esalen he's all over the place so he's picking up right. all this like new age occult uh, right right stuff. Um, of course, you know, according to Chaos by Tom O'Neill, there's a good chance that, that Manson was an informant, a federal informant. And now you should know that a federal informant's responsibilities is not just to inform or give information. They can get people riled up. They can instigate. Uh, That's, they're allowed to do right? that. An agent provocateur, sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, the thing uh, with Manson, of course, again, the Process Church and Manson, they live living so close together. So Manson referred to himself and his members referred to him as the um, the head Chingon. But the 4P guy is the grand Chingon. Okay. So he he does that thing where, you know, like with copyright, if you change a melody just a little bit, you could, you could claim it's your own, right? He does that thing where uh, he just changes it just a little tiny bit and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Uh, it's his. Yeah. Wow. So that's such a strange term too. Like you don't see it uh, bandied about. Maybe it's some kind of like prison lingo or something. I don't know. Uh, it's it's a it's a Spanish. Latino. Well, it's a Spanish word. It, I mean, in, in in Mexico they use it. I mean, it's 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 like slang. Yeah. Right. So um. Like, I mean, it's it's like part of the common vernacular. Like yeah. Right, it's gotcha. it means cool dude. You're right. you're the chingon, right? So what it was evidence? Big in the nineteen thirties as well. Gotcha. So what evidence do you have that William J. Bryan would be this head kind of Satanist? I mean, he's obviously very morally fluid. There's no question about that. Right, right. I, the, the problem is I don't have any real evidence other than that book. I'm referencing that book. And I, again, I believe David Sylvie is telling the truth because, I mean, what did he stand to game? He had enough money, right? <laughs> he died while editing the book, right? So, I mean... Uh, he died pretty mysteriously. That someone didn't want that book out. Interesting. How did he die? I'm I'm actually not sure. Those details aren't actually. I couldn't find them on the on the computer. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Uh, but 
So I, I, have you read the 2002 edition of The Family by Ed Sanders? I have the original with the second chapter that wasn't taken out. It was taken out during during the yeah. lawsuit, right? So I do have that. I think I have so, that. Yes. There's a lot more information in the new one, or the newest one, the 2002 one. And the 2002 one, when they talk about the, the 4P cult, uh, he's actually talking to somebody in, in his cell. Somebody is giving the account of uh, – someone who has been there is giving the account of what he saw. That's how we know about the altar with the dragon strewn type of stuff and the, um, you oh, know, I don't the, know the about that. Can you, can you, can you expand on that? I, I'm not sure I know about that. Okay. So what the, the scene he describes is the cult itself was about 55 people. 15 of those people were middle-aged. The rest, uh, the other 40 were college and junior college age. Right, he just says college age, but I'm thinking there were some like 16 and 17 year olds there. Um, now, what he describes in that book and the, the the methodology of human sacrifice, and this goes back to the word chingon being a Spanish word, is uniquely Aztecian. Hmm. The removal of the heart being the cause of death, compared to. Because a lot of people, when you talk about cults across the border, people go to Adafo Costanzo. They don't realize that's a different culture. And that's a different methodology of human sacrifice. The, the methodology of sacrifice there is torture to death. After the person has died, then you remove the organs. Whereas in Aztec belief, the belief system is to remove the heart, then consume the heart and drink the blood. And that's what uh, this this person describes in chapter 15 of the 2002 um, edition of The Family. I think the chapter is called Death Valley. And does that that second edition doesn't have the process chapter, right? Uh, I mean, they, it doesn't have the, the the stuff he was he said he couldn't use. Like the the, the courts told him he couldn't, you know. Right. Right. So. The, <coughs> um. Now, here's the really interesting thing. Of course, you read the first one, so you know that there was process activities in Santa Barbara. There was process activities in Aunt Santa Cruz. You know that there was process activities in um, Santa Ana or Orange County, right? You've read that part? Vaguely, uh, yeah. It's a bit fuzzy, but yeah. I read it Okay, so, yeah. So, um Apparently, this guy who's talking about the four people and what he saw, of course, he talks about the guards with the machine guns. What he claims is he was in jail. He was arrested for murder. <coughs> and, uh, I should, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. He was forced to take war pills, which are amphetamines, right? So if they're, if they're war pills, they're probably military-grade amphetamines. Talking about amphetamine psychosis. Right. Yeah, right. they studied that at the Haight Ashbury Clinic too. They knew that exactly. you'd make people freak out. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so this person claims to have been visited by by the Grand Chingon of Santa Cruz in prison. Now, I believe this person who was visited was a young man of 20 years old named Stephen Hun who brutally murdered with his little 
satanic cell of three other people murdered this young woman, Florence Nancy Brown, in 1970 in the orange groves, um, removed her heart, removed her lungs, and her, I guess it was her left arm, and they did a ritual over a campfire, and they consumed the heart. Wow. Yeah. Very, not unlike Stanley Dean Baker. Again, we're getting into the methodology of human sacrifices of Aztec for the 4P cult. Um, if you want something to compare it to, I would compare it to Magdalena Solis. There's a Wikipedia page. She's also known as a high priestess of blood. It's exactly the same. Uh, if it is Stephen she, Clark, she was around where Adolfo Constanza was too, right? That well, she, she was born or she lived right below the same sort Metamoros, of region. Yeah. But right below Metamoros. My understanding, this is even more strange, is that in Mexico, that area is known for that behavior. Like, oh, people, yes. that's why Constanza went there, is because yes. that's where those people go. Like, that's so wild. Like, yeah. Now, um, let's see. Uh, with her. So the guy who committed that was Stephen Hurd, uh H U -huh. R D. Is that right? Hun, hun. That's the, that's the misspelling. So it's not S-T-E-V-E-N-H-U-R-D. It's actually S-T-E-P-H-E-N-H-U-N-D. It's kind of like, you know, that thing where you kind of just glance at the uh, the last name and you, you, you see an R instead of a uh, lowercase n? So, yeah, that's that's his name, Stephen Hunt. Right, I have you muted. You're in that oh. kind of area. You're in San Bernardino area, right? No, no. Walter's in San Bernardino. Oh, okay. I'm in Franklin, Tennessee. I'm in okay. I'm in the 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 uh, the heartland, gotcha. <laughs> flyover country. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're tracing these kind of occult crimes, right? That are associated in around Brian, right? So Brian's kind of well in the, in the vicinity. If Brian is. The Grand Chingon, and I would give it a 50-50, and I'll explain why. Brian could have... They were holding Stephen Hunt at San Quentin. So that would imply that the Grand Chingon of Santa Cruz visited Stephen Hunt in San Quentin, which is not in San Francisco, or not in Santa Cruz, right? So... Um, San Quentin is outside of San Francisco. Oh, it is? Yeah, well, San Quentin is in the Bay Area. It's basically oh. north of Oakland. St. Quentin is really right on the water in the kind of North Bay area. Oh, that's my bad then. I must be getting confused with a different prison. It's not far from Santa Cruz. It's maybe an hour, hour and a half drive. Hour and a half okay, drive. well, his claim is he was visited by um, the, the Grand Chingon of Santa Cruz. So I would give it a 50-50 chance that it was either William Joseph Bryan, who I believe was... Uh, Grand Chingon, because if you've read like uh, Michael Newton's book or the 2002 edition, you know that the um, there was a split in the 4P cult. Half of them uh, moved their operate or they they moved their operations to Santa Ana for a bit in O'Neill Park, okay. and uh, they wanted to focus more on sort of like the the kinky sex type of stuff, right? And um, that's sort of more of like William Joseph Bryan's wheelhouse. And then eventually they go back, right? And right, back and he was censured like, or kicked out. In yeah, he lost his. For, yeah, yeah, 
His he lost his medical license. Uh, I think that was actually two separate incidents. I think one of those incidents happened in 1961. Actually, and then later there were two other girls. So you're saying that the process was at Santa Anita Park? Is that what you're saying? Say uh, O'Neill Park. O'Neill Park. Okay, sorry. O'Neill Park. Yeah, uh, that would have been that would have been the four P. That wouldn't have been like that wouldn't have been like the process proper. Um, so the, the other thing is you have to take in consideration and we're, we're getting into the weeds of speculation here, guys. So just disclaimer, we're, we're speculating now because, you know, William Joseph Bryan, uh, lost his medical license. He would have had to go in as a lawyer for Stephen Hunt if he was the guy, but it being in Santa Cruz, it could have just as easily been Jolly and West, right? right. Going in there. And, you know, he could have been Jolly and West, who was the actual or the person who took over from from Brian is what I'm trying to say. Right. As the um, the Grand Chingon of uh, Santa Cruz. So you think that possibly West could have been involved in all this heavy, dark stuff? I, I think so. I think so. Uh, it's, it's kind of complicated. It's just there's there's sort of like I think there was sort of a you know from reading all these articles there seemed to be kind of a falling out with William Joseph Bryant. I mean, uh, again he lost his medical license. Hey, William Joseph Bryant had his own pilot's license. It would have been easy for him to fly up there and uh, be the the Grand Chingon of Santa Cruz. It, you know he could fly anywhere he wants. In fact, he and. Are you aware in 1958, he was going to, um, when he was living in Reno, Nevada, he was going to um, Empire, Nevada every week? No. For what reason? Um, So there was a company town called, uh, it was Empire, Nevada, and the company town was based around the Ginsum Corporation. And supposedly he was going there to practice um, general medicine for like the residents of the town, but it's too fishy. There seems like there was something else going on. But anyways, he got into a sort of a scruffle with like um, homesteaders mm-hmm. and uh, he barely got it out. He barely got out of there. Like that's in the middle of nowhere. Like that's yeah. like I'm going into the, the deepest part of Nevada. I mean, there's nothing. Right. There. It's a ghost town now. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. There's nothing going on there. But back to the, the 4P cult. Yeah. I think it's William Joseph Bryan. I, I believe David Sylvie is the. Uh, all right, I, I believe David Sylvie is correct. I think William Joseph Bryan is the is the Grand Chingon of uh, Santa Cruz, um, but I don't rule out the possibility of there being multiple Grand Chingons. Obviously, there's the um, the claim that Ronald Starks was the uh, the Grand Chingon, right? But the, here's the problem with that: he was the accountant and leader of the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, right? So in 1970, there, there's all this stuff going on with the Weather Underground trying to join up with the Brotherhood of Eternal Love. I kind of feel like he, that guy would have had his hands full with that. And two, I just don't see him walk, just walking into you know San Quentin being like, I want to see Stephen Hunt, right? And him having any measure of privacy. Because if you're going to go into a, a jail... Um, a prison and like congratulate a dude on murdering somebody right and that's one reason i think it's maybe an intelligence operation perhaps operation chaos is because they say take out random targets so the the 
who the target is is not as important as the act itself. Right. Yeah, man, it's so crazy. Did you ever come across anything of Brian using LSD? He probably did. They, they it seems like they all tried it out. Yeah, they're you all know, Bri them. Brian was sort of like really he really the whole free love thing. He really embraced it. So he was yeah. like, uh, yeah. I mean, he had. I mean, there's stories of prostitutes. He's mentioning names. Yeah. They remember him. The prostitute said he mentioned Sir on Sir Anne. Yeah, that, that's from him. the that's from the assassination of JFK by uh, Turner. And it, I forgot his co-author's name. I actually have a picture of the page. Turner, Turner, and John Christian. It would be this book right here. Right there, they were uh, FBI agents. This book a lot. There's a full chapter that has a lot of Brian in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, so, oh, okay. So I should also say this, and I know this is out of order, and I apologize for that. But in 1963, there was a sort of a propaganda campaign to kind of make hypnosis sort of um, palatable. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there was these sort of puff pieces coming out about William Joseph Bryan uh, teaching you how to hypnotize a turkey so you can shoot the turkey a lot easier. Right. Or uh, William jo Joseph Bryan, like curing somebody's fear of Santa Claus during Christmas. Interesting. Yeah. That's just, it's just such a strange figure, man. He's so yeah. he's all over the place. Like they've mentioned right. him connected to all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and just like his his uh, his pro, you know connections to Belli and all these other characters to Salvo. Oh yeah, this is him looking his worst. Like he looks like a junkie there. Like a uh, is this the one where he has like the hipster hair and the hipster glasses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has yeah. the handlebar mustache. So you yeah, can see that. You know, that's it. Um, just like some of these slides, maybe I can read some. Bailey promptly contacted John Donovan to take classified information on the case, check the veracity of Albert's confession, though it appears that details of the murders were in fact fed to DeSalvo by yeah. Bailey and Nasser with the assistance of CI-connected hypnotist William Jennings Bryan. The third. Right, That's from right. William Allen. Joseph Bryan. Sorry, William Joseph, you're right. That's from oh. Program to Kill. So right, you know what's funny? is like William Jennings Bryan Jr. actually died a year after his son. Oh, wow. Yeah, but one's of old age and the other is we don't know what. <laughs> Do you know where he went to school, where William Joseph Bryan went to school? I believe he was somewhere in Illinois. I think he went to a few different schools. He got his, his degrees from a bunch of different places. Interesting. So he doesn't like at the same place at the same time. Yeah, and he yeah. has like – so, okay, you know how like the Grand Shingon has, is someone who leaves town a lot and comes back and, you know, according to – um. Maury Perry's Ultimate Evil and uh, the family and stuff like that. That's that's William Joseph Bryan because he was always flying out to go to these like conventions and uh, workshops right. and lectures yeah. and all that. It's hypnotist things too. He's moving a lot. These guys, a lot of them move a lot. Like the same thing with West. He's like in weird places at different times. Right. He's at UCLA, but he's in Northern California. He's right. Going places in a limo. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of like. They're not static. Like you'd think you'd right. be static as somebody, uh, you know, at a teaching facility, but yeah, these guys well, are they're moving around. You know that the the, the the only thing I would say that may discredit West from taking over the job of Grand Chingon or or being a Grand Chingon is I just don't think West had the acting chops. Because hmm. it's in like Operation Chaos, like him trying to fit in with the hippies, he just seems so uncomfortable. 
He no was there. He was in the hate. That's yeah. the whole weird thing is that he's in the hate, I think, in 66 and 67, studying yeah. the hippies. So it's yeah. weird. Like the timing is just extraordinary with all the other right. stuff that's going on around there. Right. His apartment, wasn't that on uh, Frederick Douglass Street? I think something like that. Like the, he's right yeah. there, right off the hate, maybe a block away. And so many other yeah. people are around there. And he's at the clinic. He's at the Haight Ashbury Clinic. They're treating people. Right. Um, and that, they, right. I mean, at that time, you have to remember the hippie culture didn't exist. There was a hobo culture, but yeah. it wasn't this kind of free love, druggy type stuff that these guys were doing. So it right. was very, it was a very novel experience at that time. I think this is uh, the death notice of William Joseph Bryan. Right. Uh, is that the that's the obit? I think a few days after yeah. that, they talk about his funeral, and that's for the um. The information is about uh, Henry Rossblatt being uh, one of the pallbearers. Who's Henry Rossblatt? Why is he important? He was one of the Watergate lawyers. Now, anybody who's doing this research, it's crazy because the Watergate lawyers pop up all the time. They just kind of pop up in the weirdest places. Uh, an example of this is uh, the Green River Killer. Um, the uh, the book by Anne Rule. Uh, mm -hmm. It said the Green River Runs Red or something like that. Well, apparently she was receiving letters from a Watergate attorney uh, with a weird name who uh, claims that he, he witnessed satanic rituals and ritual sacrifice in the woods of Washington State. Well, the only one with a weird name is Eggle Krogh, right? Everybody else has a pretty ordinary name. And Eggle, Eggle lived in Washington State for a good while before joining the Nixon administration. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So this is uh this is just something about William Jones Bryan. I think this is from hold on just a second. Pesky kids. Um, so this I'm gonna read this. To promote the interest in the art of hypnosis, Bell I featured Dr. William Jennings Joseph Bryan, a Hollywood physician, to convince skeptics of its authenticity. The good doctor hypnotized six lawyers and stuck needles in the hands of five of them. There was no yep. pain and no bleeding. The Globe Democrat reporter covering the event was obviously impressed, writing, a 17-hour session of hypnosis, hoopla, and horse sense, which topped the best of Barnum and Bailey, shook the dignity of Keel Auditorium Saturday under the skilled guidance of a flamboyant but friendly enemy of the ABA. So he was doing this, and I think he was on a show with Belay. Like that would yeah. be something to find out. Like Belay had some kind of show, right? Like, well, it's interesting because uh, isn't it speculated that the Zodiac Killer may be somehow connected to the Four P as well? Oh yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of speculations like and that. And then the Zodiac, uh, his relationship with Melvin Belay, supposedly. Right. Well, they sent letters to one another. That's an established fact. Like right. And then Melvin Belay's relationship with William Jennings Bryan. It's incredible. Like the real history, like uh, yeah. is really something else. Belay is an important figure. This is right. another one. Strange Memories. Herbert Spiegel of Saran Saran connected. Yeah. To Saran Saran says he doesn't remember killing RFK. This is this year. So this is 2023. All right. And this was an article mentioning William Jennings Bryan in 2005. And this is mentions the Nemesis book. So it says New Life in Surahan Defense. The catalyst for the campaign is new book Nemesis by British author Peter Evans who, using CI documents and interviews, claims to have identified 
The hypnotist is Dr. William Joseph Bryan, who had worked on CA mind control programs. He was later found dead in a Las Vegas hotel room in mysterious circumstances. So pretty interesting. Okay. Well, um, I should also we should also bring up Arthur Bruner. Yeah, let's do the Arthur Bremer, right? Bremer, Bremer, sorry. Uh, okay. I'm just going to call him Arthur because I, I'll, I'll just slaughter that last name. Um, well, his attempted, sacri- uh, attempted assassination of a presidential candidate at the time, Governor Wallace. George Wallace, right? Now, the interesting thing about that is after the assassination attempt took place, um, uh, I think... William Joseph Bryan's office, if I'm not mistaking, the Winter Watch article, which I, I reread today because I was kind of in a time crunch, uh, received an urgent phone call from just almost the same place where the assassination attempt uh, took place, thus indicating or uh, connecting William Joseph Bryan potentially to that assassination attempt. Now, another thing, which is crazy too, just weeks before Weeks before, if not months before, uh, there's a picture of George Wallace with the Process Church of the Final That's Judgment right. That's right. laying hands. So that might be another connection. And they were the foundation at that time. If I remember correctly, they had gone through they, one of their they iterations. Didn't, they didn't become the foundation until uh, 75. Okay, well, you probably know more than me. Like I'm, I, When I first researched the process... Yeah, I figured they just kind of dissipated and were done. They just changed and kind of rebranded, and they're yeah. still around as best friends. I was shocked when I talked to Dana about the process because I saw, I remember all those faces reading uh, "Love, Fear, Sex, and Death" by Wiley. So I was like, "What the hell? They're still around? It's crazy." Yeah, I mean that that is sort of like one puff piece. Like the that book is sort of ridiculous. It's written by his, you know, his background. I think there's some valid information there, but it's obviously an insider. He knows tons more than that. There's other yeah, really interesting, well, like conversation. Uh, so there's more interesting. They, too. What people don't realize about the process, Church of the Final Judgment, and this comes up in those uh, trial transcripts, is that there. Most of the times when there's people talking about it, the propaganda aspect is you're hearing it from the Jesuits, not the Jesuits, the um, the Jehovians. I'm sorry. The Jehovians are the ones that tell you like, oh, they're so good and disciplined and all that. They always leave out the part about the Luciferians, which is another little subset. Like the the um, when they were living on Cole Street, those were all uh, Jehovians, except there were about eight or nine Luciferians that came from New Orleans to live there. And because um, and one of them was, had already gotten in trouble for potential drug possession and all that. But their whole thing was f- have fun and have a good time and do as thy will. True. So it's almost like the Jehovians are like the cover for the Luciferians and the Satanists. Right. So they're internal covers of the whole cult, the whole group, right? So yes. They're putting, they're putting out whatever side they want. And that's kind of like the complexity of that kind of mystery school. I think, I mean, one of the interesting things that Wiley says in Love, Fear, Sex, Death is this is a mystery school. I think that that's an important statement. But this yeah. is interesting. Dementia 13. So there's Coppola. So Brian is involved in that. He's actually yeah. listed. William Joseph Bryan right there is technical advisor. Yeah. So he's in there. I mean, I, I just screenshotted those. There's Nemesis. This book is on its way. Nice. Huge ratings. This must have been in a, a well-received book. I never heard of the book until you mentioned it. But It's great. And there's information that no one else has like 
Uh, I'm surprised the Winter Watch article didn't mention it because that's one of their sources for that for that article. There's a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff in there, like uh, William Joseph Bryan getting <coughs> fired, you know, by Sidney right. Gottlieb. Uh, back to the the assassination attempt of, of George Wallace. It, it, do you think, um, from what I read, um, and I, I haven't looked into this any further, but did Arthur Bruner's brother work at the same stable as Sirhan Sirhan? Yes. Yeah. That were, yeah. So there was a connection so, between them both. Yeah. Yeah. That's some wild stuff. And if we're talking about uh, the 4P potentially being a huge drug trafficking network, then we're going to have to include Aristotle Onassis and all that. Wow. Yeah. This, because, I can't remember what this is from. It mentions Brian also claimed to have been a drummer with the Tommy or, Dorsey band in which yes. he rubbed shoulders of Frank Sinatra, who was right. the star of Pantheon Candidate. Right. Now, the whole thing with the Tommy Dorsey band is a little tricky because he wasn't actually in the band. It, I think it was more of a situation where maybe they were practicing and he sat in on the drums. And thus he says, I, I played with the Tommy Dorsey band. Right, so he claims he's just, he was just sitting down there. Right, yeah, he's probably a pretty good drummer, but I mean, he's he looks like he maybe has the legs for it. But uh, you know, right. So he, this is, I can't remember. The girls relieved Brian's depression. They really titillated his enormous ego by getting him to talk about all the famous people he hypnotized. And then right. he said, "Deprogramming DeSalvo," and then hypnotized. He's told these prostitutes he hypnotized her hands, her hand. And this right. is like one yeah. of these seminars you mentioned, right? So this right. is it. Thing. So yeah, the, where he well, that's what he was doing in Vegas. In fact, Brian met uh with Onassis in a room in a hotel in Vegas. Wow. wow. And he also met uh uh with this uh I, I guess he's a Palestinian terrorist ex Fatah member who goes rogue named uh uh Muhammad, no uh Mahmoud Hinshari. He meets with that guy in LA. Under the claim that he, uh, Mahmoud, while he was in LA, was having sinus issues. So, William Joseph Bryan was checking him out. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. Now, the interesting thing, if we bring in Aristotle Onassis, and what you'll soon find out from the book um, Nemesis, is that, like, he was trafficking heroin. He was using his ships to traffic in heroin and other drugs. And, and in fact, the FBI had him dead to rights. In fact, it was FBI agents that were unloading the ships and taking the pictures, but they couldn't arrest him. They had to sit on his on their hands, and they were really pissed about it. Wow. Yeah. No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. This is the interesting book that it has that was written by Belli. Oh, and it was written written by Brian William Joseph. I don't even think this is actually correct, but this is legal aspects of hypnosis with the yeah, that's it. by Melvin Belli. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's nine bucks. That's it. That's an important book. That's the one that has that quote in it that talks about how you can get, you know, uh, people won't kill, go against their own moral codes. But if you give them an enemy, they'll always fight the enemy. And like if you frame it in such a way that they're trying to take away your freedom or they're trying to kill you or, or, or they're just the other, you could you could make them do whatever you want. Yeah. So they know how to do it. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like at a certain yeah. point, people have to realize there are people who are susceptible to this kind of stuff. I don't think everybody is. And I think those hypnotists study, there's like tests they can do on people to see if you're suggestible or not. Like some people, you could just do it all day. They just be like, oh, I don't know what you're doing. And then the other guy like in an altered state like that. 
So right. these things do happen. Todd, we're well, you know, out. it's the, the thing I never hear people mention is that they they talk about hypnosis and other brainwashing techniques like drugs and whatnot. They they never just talk about the power of suggestion and the gift of gab. True. That's like true. that, like you you know, sometimes you don't even need to use hypnosis. You just need to sit down and have a beer with the guy, and then you can convince them to do whatever you want because you're just that smooth of a talker. Good right? Point. Yeah. Good point. I heard that that's like what the CIA found out is like all these mind control drugs, you don't need to use them. You just get somebody drunk and talk to them and they can't help themselves. They just start blurting stuff out. Like, especially if they're egotists, you know, with some beer, they'll brag about Right. It. It's it's like a Hannibal Lecter in a way. That all these CIA uh, MK Ultra doctors are kind of like Hannibal Lecter. Like that the thing that people don't realize about Hannibal Lecter, and there's a whole other story there that never gets told, is Hannibal Lecter creates other killers. That's what his whole psychiatry thing is. He's convincing people to go out and kill. Is that in the book? Is that in one of those books of Red Dragon or whatever? It, yeah, it's like implied, like Silence of the Lambs and stuff. Yeah. That's sort of like the hypno-grooming aspect of it, you know? Wow, fascinating. I mean, that's really scary. Imagine if you were like a patient and you walked into you and Cameron's office or William uh, Joseph Bryan's. Like, these guys could do a number on you. I think there was actually a recent... Within the last five years, there was a recent doctor who was hypnotizing the women and abusing them. And that's what Brian oh, yes. was doing. Yes, yes, yes. Well, yeah, there is a case. Uh, are you familiar with like the David Levitt case out of uh, Utah? Uh, oh, no, I did they, know more about that. Yeah. Was it where the guy outed order? himself as a cannibal? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it, it's some crazy stuff. And the, uh, what he describes, uh, he describes seeing some ritual sacrifice. Stuff. What he describes is, is totally Aztec in the two. Um, and I think there's a picture of him with processed people. It's so crazy. Like, it's just off the charts. You cannot believe this stuff. <coughs> Even yeah, it's, yeah. It's basically real. Todd, I got to run. What's Where can people find your work, California? And how can they reach out to you if you want to talk to anybody? Well, just go to the Walter Bosley channel. And uh, check out California uh, along with all the other great content right there. And I would like to plug Walter Bosley's new book, Nimza, How the how America Sold Its Soul. Fantastic book about sort of the, uh, I would call them the proto-Nazis. Um, very interesting, interesting material. Um, what, what does Nimza mean? What is that, an acronym? Yes, but I, I can't remember off the top of my head. You're going to have to get Walter to tell you that one. I'll have to ask him. I'll, I'll ask him on. He can discuss his new book. Maybe you can come on too. But uh, yeah, with, thanks so much of the California podcast. I'll put a link to Walter Bo, uh, Bosley's Walter. website and everything. Yeah. So have a great day. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great, excellent job. Excellent. Thank really you.